all right archivers welcome to the second part of our special episode with shantanu on the topic of dark matter in the previous episode we talked about the origins we talked about what dark matter is and many other stuff and now we'll be going a little deeper into the subject so fasten your seat belts cuz this is going to be a joy ride you know there are different layers to knowledge and i think you know you will agree to this that fueling our knowledge through semantic you know curbings layer by layer is just adding on to the huge ocean that we are just trying to fill in drop by drop as you said einstein didn't make the theory of relativity for the gps we did find the application of it at a very later stage but it's just that you know these things do help us at a very broader picture from a human perspective might affect a general public day in and day out maybe in the next 50 years to 100 years i don't know or maybe in the next 10 years possible but this would happen eventually it is not just a one day streak and i think we have you know very similar sort of experience in other episodes also nikhil raghav would agree on this even in a sustainability episode we do keep mentioning one thing that it's it's a long term shot it's always a long term thing nothing is short term right uh, i know few audience might be you know thinking and listening to it saying that you know uh, what is the importance of discussing this when there is no immediate benefit out of it okay maybe there is no but as shantanu mentioned it very clearly we have to look at it at a long term shot and yes the minute we do get better knowledge or you know be equipped more with better instruments and everything maybe there would be a time when we would actually have applications of dark energy and dark matter and that is how i think humanity has been growing we don't know a lot of things and we were curious enough to you know go ahead and ask these things and that what i think anandram archives is also known for and that's why we all of us are curious as well now the only difference here is that the scale at which these discoveries and these things are there is just sometimes beyond our reach it's just like you know how biology is looking into the depths of human brain whereas correct me if i'm wrong ashantanu you as an astrophysicist might be going into the depth of the universe so yeah these things i think are pretty much correlated what is your thoughts on these ashantanu i mean i'm just talking about two different domains but i just want to understand your thought process into these two domains in general yes uh, you uh, summed it up quite beautifully actually i must say and i'm actually I, i don't have much to add on to that it's just that uh, if we uh, look at the progress we as humanity are making throughout the generations that we have lived the evolutions that we've undergone it's clear that if we did things with an end goal in mind we didn't really go much farther than that if we tried to get into the nitty gritties of things and we understood them in ways that we could use them in uh, however our boundless imagination would allow that would be the uh, thing that actually facilitated us throughout our uh, survival right from weapons or the wheel or how we've used uh, motors and all of these other things and uh, through the interaction that we're having right now uh, living so far apart in uh, various cities all across india but talking at the same time on something that makes people very curious 
I don't think so. It is uh, doing justice to our audience to you know ask, uh, wonder if they will be wondering why we should be talking about this. But uh, the idea in a whole, in a larger perspective, is uh, if we work towards an understanding of where we are and uh, how we got there, we will have a better understanding of where we want to go and how to get there. So that would be my summation to that. No, that that's absolutely brilliant because uh, I'm also thinking from a lot of perspective that see uh, there are a lot of concepts which the humanity never had answers about, and I think the way humanity grows is more towards problem solving. There is a problem, we have to find a solution to it, and that's how always we have been growing. Be it in terms of weapons, wars, uh, be it anything, right? There was problem that we couldn't see in dark and we had the concept of fire we couldn't move from here and there wheel came in picture i don't know there are a lot of lot of things that came in just by problem solving and even in our day-to-day work life we all being in corporate in general uh so we do a lot of problem solving there is a lot of problems and just we are trying to resolve it we don't know whether we are hitting the right thing or not well we don't know whether this is the optimal thing or not but we're still trying to solve it through I know it's a slight deviation from dark matter and dark energy, but I think that's the general way to look about things. So I think I have been talking for now. Raghav, Nikhil, you have any particular questions which you want to ask to Shantanu, maybe? Uh, if you guys have something to add on to. Well, basically, I am speechless. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to grasp the whole scale of it. Uh, okay, I just, one thing I just wanted to state it, I think. Whatever we see, whatever we are, we are matter. And uh, Shantanu, how much is it again? Like how much percent of percentage of the universe is matter? That's about just 5%. Yeah. So in that 5%, how much are we as humans covering it? Uh, that's really tough to answer because uh, <laughs> in, the, in the scale of, uh, you know, if you actually uh, talk about our composition, like the human composition of atoms and everything. So we are not really any different from any other atom out there in the universe. It's just that we are assembled in a way that we are able to interact and we are able to exchange information like this. But uh, we are not anything uh, special. But uh, if you want to just know the scale, we are uh, so uh, minute and uh, the minutia is uh, quite succinctly covered when I talked about the middle dimension and uh, yeah, we, we, we don't really make a huge dent into how much of the universe we occupy, but we do make a huge dent as to how much of the universe we can perceive. That really is something that I want people to take away from this podcast is that even if we don't really, you know, have a big impact on uh, the universe as a whole, we have an impact into how we are able to understand it and we are going in the right direction so far. Cool, Shantanu. So, coming back to you, uh, you know, would you like to add some few more pointers to your thought process or coming back to dark energy, dark matter? What's next? Uh, thank you for that. And yes, I'd like to finally sum up uh, dark matter, the little that I know and the little that we know as in whole and, you know, try to give in the picture the final picture that what we have and uh, then finally start about uh, dark energy because that's like the whole half we haven't even talked about 
so dark matter what we know is that we know how much of it is there like the 27% is pretty much concrete we know where it is okay but we don't know what it is made of we don't know how it is uh, there and we don't even know how it is affecting the uh, galaxies or universe as a whole we know that uh, dark matter helps in uh, forming the shapes of galaxies but we don't really know what it does when it is doing that you know like we know that uh, with the pen we can write we know with the uh, food we can eat but with so much of dark matter around us we don't know why exactly is there so much of dark matter like what is the speciality that it is there so much and we don't know how to interact with it basically so these are the things that we don't know so uh, to cutting these numbers short and giving a picture as to where we are getting these uh, numbers and how we are so sure that it is 5% and 27% and 68 whatever so the idea is again in those observations that we made uh there was the satellite uh, w map satellite uh, which was made to study the cosmic microwave background and cosmic microwave background is nothing but the earliest light of the universe like it's uh, basically the first photon that escaped the early formation of the universe and it has an amazing photograph that the wmap picked out and you know uh, one of the crazy things is that we've been seeing a cosmic microwave background all throughout our lives without being astrophysicists or something like that when we had those dish tvs and those antennas and all that remember how the our television went uh, black and white so that was nothing but the cosmic microwave background which is you know ever present uh, omnipresent in all directions it is the same and everything and this is the earliest capture of the photon that is coming in from the universe after the big bang you know this is like the oldest light that we have of the universe oldest light and uh, this picture comes with a lot of wrinkles and patterns right and if you study these wrinkles and patterns they are actually sensitive to the amount of dark matter dark energy and the normal matter that we have so if we change our percentages even a little bit those patterns won't be observed so that is one of the another strong evidence of why dark matter and dark energy are there even though we don't know that what they are we know that they are there and how much of it is there so that is the kind of uh idea that we get in such observations like we do something but we don't know what it means but we know that some this much of something is there so that is kind of uh beautiful and you know it is interesting that we have it like that and another uh, reason why so just one observation does not mean anything so when we do the rate of expansion of the universe and we add up how much of uh, matter normal matter dark matter dark energy we add them all up it completely fits with the scenario of today if we add them in this kind of a numbers system and this kind of a profile so 
Now, these numbers, while they might be a little vague, they are pretty concrete in their observations and they are generally accepted. And uh, that's how you get to know what, uh, how much of stuff is there throughout the universe. Wow. <laughs> okay, this is uh, really a lot to take in, bro. Yeah, seriously, yeah, it is. Uh, I know it'll take some time for and some real lessons for me to actually understand the whole scale of it again. But yeah, anyways, uh, I have one more question. This uh, I think you've been. Uh, I think you answered this question before, like you know, while we were uh, having some other conversations in other apps and everything. But pretty normal conception that antimatter and dark matter are the same. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, antimatter and dark matter are completely different. they are not at all same it's just that anti and dark are somewhat kind of you know uh, making sense in our mind that they should be similar but they are not at all anti matter like i was talking about uh, neutrino earlier and all of that so uh, it anti matter is a part of that 5% it is a part like you have electron so the uh, anti matter of an electron is a positron and uh these things are able to interact you know antimatter and matter uh interaction you must have seen in that movie or in that book by dan brown angels and demons he does a very nice uh i don't know about the books per se but he dis- he gives a very nice travelog and descriptive analysis of the places where the events are happening so angels and demons was based in cern that is the large hadron collider and where they were actually you know uh, manufacturing uh, antimatter they weren't manufacturing dark matter so antimatter interacts with the uh, normal matter in a in something known as an annihilation and even the slightest bit of that interaction is you know uh, much much stronger than our nuclear bombs and whatever have you but as we've been going on in this uh, podcast dark matter is called dark because it doesn't interact at all except for in gravity so yeah that is that uh, to sum up what we know about dark matter in the final words if i may have that is that we are not sure that what dark matter is that i have already said but it is possible because of the scale that we are dealing with it is possible that there are several kinds of particles who will be considered dark matter we have not uh, found them if we had then this conversation would have been shorter we have not found them it is possible that this uh, these dark particles so to say who will not be normal particles they have their own interactions they have their own uh, dark chemistry they even have their own dark biology and they might even have their dark life so again uh, borrowing into one of the worst movies uh, that i remember in the marvel cinematic universe so there was this dark realm that this uh, the dark world the thor in the dark world yeah uh, that he went to so that uh, in that movie covered this aspect of that uh, thing quite nicely although the movie was horrible uh, spoilers but it was a beautiful uh, depiction as to what a realm of just dark stuff could be and it could be all of that it's just that we don't have the uh, uh mental 
wherewithal or even the experimental wherewithal to observe certain things and to make models that behave in certain ways that we can actually get a confirmed experiment or result out of them and that is where you know researchers are trying to work i am an aspiring astrophysicist and i am also working on models that you know can uh, be detected and can make experiment can make the life of an experimentalist easier and help us get some detection out of this because uh, we've seen many evidences of the indirect detection of a uh, dark matter like the rotation of the galaxies the cmb uh, patterns that we have so we have seen an indirect uh, outcome what we want is a direct outcome what we want is uh, we want to observe dark matter uh, in a way that is visible to us on the screen if so have you but that is really difficult because we've seen that it doesn't interact with us so there are two ways in which people go about this one is the particle physics way in which uh, they assume that dark matter is something known as a wimp and uh, while all nerds will be called wimps altogether and uh, in some time of their life in this case a wimp is a weakly interacting massive particle in which the dark matter doesn't interact with the normal matter but it weakly interacts and weakly is again a bad uh, physics language as to how to describe the situation uh, weak as in means very weak so there is some interaction but it is too weak to make an observation yet but they are still trying it they're trying it in all these mountains and all the cold places uh even in antarctica where they are hoping that the cosmic rays that are coming from the sun will interact with our particles or certain uh, containers in such a way that they will uh have some sort of an interaction with dark matter because they have an energy scale to do so the other uh, thing that uh, i wanted to talk about was the way in which uh astrophysicists look for dark matter now that was the particle physics approach where they're trying to find the you know building blocks of dark matter which they haven't yet the astrophysics way is to find out the galaxies where dark matter is which we can and then see over time how they are interacting within themselves so so far we've seen that they don't interact with each other but we keep an eye out and we keep observing uh for uh, signs in which we can show that okay this was the interaction between uh dark matter and matter and meaning some sort of a clue that we can get not just uh the gravitational lensing that we have observed till now so that was it about dark matter and uh if we have no other questions i'll get into dark energy which will be much quicker than this hey shantanu i think uh, yeah yeah please go on uh, nikhil uh, just a couple of questions because these questions were found from our question bank maybe you can answer them now uh, one thing is that uh, is dark the dark matter right is it some kind of homogeneous sort of matter or like it's a composition of multiple matters that's a brilliant question actually and uh, that is exactly what i tried to say 
uh, right now in in the sense that uh, see uh, we have advanced in the knowledge of our normal matter through a uh, through some we have made huge advancements in the knowledge of our norm, normal matter in the sense that now we don't say that we are made of atoms we know that atoms are made of uh, protons and neutrons and electrons we know that protons are further made of uh, quarks and gluons and neutrons as well so you know we have been able to probe the fundamental limit of whatever we know of the normal slash baryonic matter what is the evidence that dark matter won't have a similar constitution like uh, that's exactly what i was talking about uh, dark chemistry and uh, dark matter particles there have been uh, words on dark matter stars as well because you know uh, matter interacts with gravity and it is a reality dark matter so it could be that it is uh, formed from particles that uh, form dark matter as normal matter is formed from these fundamental particles that we get from standard model in uh, particle physics so there is no reason why to not assume that but again we have no evidence of that going forward and going further in our uh, podcast you will see that we have no evidence will be my go to answer for any other question that you'll have agreed okay uh, one last question on dark matter so dark matter as you said it's a matter but it it doesn't uh, interact with the uh, electromagnetic waves so can it be used as any other mode of communication say like long distance communication or say like for example we want to interact with uh, on mars or uh, objects on mars so can we use dark matter as a mode of communication another brilliant question and it again touched uh, it's as if you are revising the podcast as we are going uh, ahead and uh, that is exactly the answer that people give to those who question uh, why do we want to spend money in researching this because the answer is that unless we know about this thing in detail or in some uh, limit as well we as of now know nothing about it if we get to know something about it uh, something about the universe that is five times more than our universe that we experience on a daily uh on a daily scale if we get to know something about that then the possibilities are boundless like uh, in 1900s do you think people would have thought about internet the way we think about it right now uh, do you think uh, people would have thought about uh, going to the moon as we think right now now mars is our latest uh, ambition which is somewhat uh, uh, gettable and it's only limited by uh, money as of now and uh, security of life that's 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 the two aspect in which mars is not yet confirmed but it will be uh, i think so in 2027 someone uh, might launch themselves uh, to mars and they might go there and we might conquer yet another uh, planet in our solar system the idea is that we are able to dream and we are able to make all those feasible options feasible because we know about it and we've done our research to a huge extent 
so imagine the possibilities when we find out about dark matter the opportunities are boundless if we can actually find out what it is all about and communication is like the least of our imaginations like you need to really spread your imaginations far and wide to see what all is possible if we actually detect dark matter and we can find out ways to interact with it okay so uh, till now we've been talking about uh, a lot about dark matter so uh, for the uh, next thing uh, shantanu how will we find dark energy uh, what is the uh, like like i mentioned before like what would that uh, you know eureka moment look like that's actually the toughest part of this podcast to answer because uh, again uh, when we discussed in detail about dark matter uh, we were also emphasizing about dark energy in a sense that we know its percentages we know how much of the universe constitutes of dark energy it's about 68% and that's really huge because 5% is where we are at but the point is we know little to nothing about dark energy we actually know almost nothing because up until 2016 people were doubting uh, whether it exists even or not and while there has been a nobel prize given to brian smith on his discovery not of dark energy but of the accelerated expansion of the universe which kind of answers for dark energy so people were uh, doubting experiments that he conducted and the observations that he made and so people were in a tussle like how dark matter is one thing fine we have a lot of overwhelming indirect observations of uh, dark matter we cannot really fight it beyond a point but dark energy is a beast that we literally have <laughs> no other information apart from that number 68 which can be explained through various other means but uh, nothing beyond that so it becomes very important to discuss that uh, even though i uh, even though we know very little we can cover it very easily so we can start from where einstein left us during the start of the podcast where he was fiddling with his lambda equation you know he was fiddling with the lambda equation uh, first he put it in because he wanted the universe to be static but then he removed it when he found that the universe is expanding and he called it his greatest mistake but uh, actually the best discovery that he had made although uh, kind of by mistake and the reason is that this lambda is the lambda that we know as dark energy and it is the reason as to why we are experiencing this accelerated expansion of the universe the universe right now in 20 billion years doubles itself it's already 91 billion light years across that is uh, a lot many kilometers about the scale that uh, light takes to travel one year is one light year so 91 billion light years is the scale of this universe that we live in which some people still assume and uh, rightfully so that it can be limitless there could be no limit to this but since we have a beginning point we have something of a edge so to say the idea that uh, einstein uh, wanted was that he wanted to play his equations to the way that they suited an expanding universe but now when we know that the universe is expanding in an accelerated fashion 
through the experiments of Brian Schmidt when he uh, experimented on uh, supernova 1a explosions and he found out that th- this was actually happening then we need to really look into einstein's equation once again and again put in the lambda that he had so carelessly removed and called his greatest mistake the point of all of this is that first of all how do you know that the universe is expanding let's let's get one basic concept out of the way so hubble said that the universe is expanding how did he come up with that what he saw were some galaxies and he just pointed his telescope he had a huge telescope that he got and he pointed his telescope randomly uh, anywhere in the sky and he saw that every galaxy had a red shift towards it and by red shift i mean all of their uh, light was shifted towards the red spectrum in the visible spectrum of our electromagnetic radiation and this happens only when things are moving far apart you would have seen it on your uh, daily commute in uh, the traffics if you are on the road when things come closer they make a different kind of a noise as to when they are going away and even from hearing it you can tell that if something is coming close to you or farther away from you now this is in acoustics and it's known as the doppler effect but the same thing can be observed in uh light because light is a wave as well and it is known as the red shift of the galaxies or the red shift of the stars and uh, this is how he found out that the stars were actually uh, moving away from each other and the relation that he found out was that the velocity of the star is uh, directly proportional to the distance it is from us so v is equal to hr where h was his hubble's constant coincidentally if you inverse h like if you make it 1 by h it becomes the age of the universe that's just a fun fact so uh, the uh, dark energy comes into all of this after the experimental proof that uh, brian schmidt got that the universe is not only expanding it is actually accelerating in its expansion and uh, to explain that we need some sort of a force we need some sort of a uh, source that can accommodate this thing and this was found in uh, dark energy and uh, basically how this works is that dark energy is something as of now in the theories that we have it is the energy of the vacuum of space okay so our space is so huge that there are pockets of our space huge pockets that have nothing in it it's a vacuum but even inside that vacuum there is an energy known as vacuum energy so cutting a long description short what is dark energy and uh, why have we called it dark energy so like i was maintaining throughout this podcast us uh, the physicists are really bad at naming things and they could have literally named it anything but it is called dark for the same reason as dark matter was called dark is that because we know nothing about it the only thing that we know about it is that it helps the universe expand very rapidly 
and through the experiments of Brian Schmidt that we found out that the universe is accelerating in its expansion, it facilitates that. So how do we know it's there? Uh, it was a complete surprise to scientists when they saw this uh, result by Brian Smith. And he was actually unwilling to publish his results because he felt uh, people will laugh at him and uh, he didn't know what else to do. But he just did his experiment properly and redid it again and again and tried to make sure of it. It was his postdoc experiment or something and he was not a famous person by then. But when he found that he made literally no mistakes that he could spot, he just published his result. And soon after, um, not soon after, later on, he went on to get the Nobel Prize for this effort of his. So dark energy is the thing that helps in accelerating the expansion of our universe. It is the energy that you will find in between the space time that we have. So dark energy is basically this vacuum energy and it is uh, greater than zero because it is helping us expand. And uh, the more space that is created, the more dark energy is created and thus we are able to accelerate further. Any such expansion, what happens in uh, physics basically when you have a uh, reaction, you ha have to have an opposite reaction to it as well. So any such expansion will result in inward pull due to gravity. So there has to be some counteraction to that. But if there is a counteraction and uh, if it is supposed to hinder in the expansion, how is it accelerating? So that was a puzzle that people could not understand for a long while. But when they uh, put all these observations into the theory that Einstein had already made in his general theory, they actually saw that it is fitting perfectly and they just needed to add more uh, inputs from other areas of physics that may not seem related, but they were actually the part of the same game. So Einstein's field equations, the Friedman equations that you have, they, along with the other equations that you can borrow from the heat flow and everything, they can combine out here, and this is really complex general relativity. When they combine, what they tell is that this inward pulling gravity can be counteracted by a negative pressure, and this negative pressure behaves exactly like anti-gravity, which is the dark energy that we have. I know I must have lost you guys a little bit on some jargon out here, but uh, I was trying to explain an Einstein field equation in as less mathematics as I could. And the idea is to equate dark energy with anti-gravity. And why am I doing that? Because the dark energy is helping our universe expand in an accelerated fashion. And why anti-gravity? Because gravity is trying to hinder this thing but anti-gravity will try to uh, make it expand. So it will cancel out the gravitational effects. And the observation thus far have been telling that it is doing a very good job of it. So that's about dark energy. And it's literally, that's the limit of what we know. I mean, I know even lesser than this, but that's the limit of what we know because all of this is again theory. And all of this is... Uh, 
good theory with wonderful maths in it but we are not able to get this observational proof that we need we are getting the proof of this accelerated expansion but we can't just say that this is only dark energy right like the like you see wind blowing on your street every time you don't always say that it is a storm right there has to be certain characteristics for a storm there has to be certain characteristics for a tornado there has to be certain characteristics for a hurricane and all of these three things are almost invisible because you cannot see the wind but the way in which it moves you can distinguish between them and that is what we are trying to do and so far the best option that we have is dark energy through these equations but we haven't gotten the observational or the more concrete evidence into it and it's again just theory but good theory and that's uh, really a uh, great actually you know uh, and uh, shantanu uh, don't worry about uh, making mistakes you what you explained was amazing seriously i mean i don't think i would be you know sleeping tonight i'll be like you know spending the whole time exploring today so thanks for that i don't know if i did a good job or not but uh, this is a complicated topic and like we had the agenda of involving everybody from ages 5 to 50 and onwards so this is towards those uh, who are more centered in this field and uh, they might find it relatable yeah it is not something that i can simplify in my ex- uh, explanation but i have tried and uh, the point is that science is frequently misunderstood as a collection of facts it is uh, not just that fact collection happens but that is not why we do it so there was this uh, american biologist toward feinstein who wrote uh, a book called ignorance and he said that uh, working scientists don't get bogged down in the factual swamp because they don't care all that much about facts it's not that they discount or they ignore them but rather that they don't see them as the end in themselves they don't stop at these facts they begin there and they go beyond that and they go till the point where facts run out and this is exactly where we are with dark energy our facts have run out and we need to go beyond it and uh, the era in which that we are living in where we are able to make such precise measurements about the percentages of the whole composition of the universe and everything uh, despite not knowing what exactly is each of this composition is the era of ignorance and uh, since we have a precise information on this i like to call it the era of precision ignorance you know i, I always uh, you know say something similar that like, uh, whatever we know right everything in science are just theories until someone uh, proves otherwise so if you uh, seen this uh, show called friends i think uh, you might have uh this is character called phoebe who raises a point right uh, like people used to believe that uh, you know the earth was in the center of the universe until galileo came and proved otherwise so why do we just stick to one fact and you know just think that that is the truth there might be uh, something else and we just have not discovered it yet. yeah yeah 
excellent uh, analogy that one and yeah it is uh, really impressive that given our lack of understanding we have managed to measure all of this and uh, so far in different scenarios all of them are tallying and yes over the period many of these theories will be discarded uh, such has been the story of uh, science in general you when you have a theory you get an observation you solidify it if you get another observation that counteracts it you discard it and thus far we've been surviving and we've been doing a good job but it's not that we are attached to our theories like they are our personal relatives or something it's just that we want to know the universe better and until and unless we have something better with a better observational outcome we will be kind of explaining it in this fashion and we will be content uh, not content we will be at least aware of our ignorance and trying to move beyond it Oh, uh, that is uh, really great, actually. I have one question though, but not a little too dark matter or energy. It's about something which uh, he talked initially about scaling, right? Mass scaling, length scaling, and time scaling. So, Shantanu, when you initially talked about the scaling of mass, length, and time on the astronomical scale, or say microscopic scale, I just wanted to know, like, uh, how do you measure the distance of different planets using this scale? Like, are there any ways or procedure? Maybe you can answer in brief, not too in detail. Just wanted to know if there are ways. Yeah, obviously there are. So it actually tells you like how you are able to do so many of these things uh, just by sitting here in your room and just working out all these details and coming up with the right answers. The answer is basically you work with things that are tangible, and in uh, the scale of uh, observations, basically you work with things that are constants. So in universe we have many constants but the three most famous constants that you know are present everywhere in all of physics and everything are the planck's constant h the speed of light c and the universal gravitational constant g that newton had discovered and with the use of these three constants you can get so many things you can get the planck length that i was talking about at the very beginning you can get the planck time uh, again it is a derivative of these three constants rearranged to give you that and both of these things talk about the limits of theoretical possibilities as per their definition and as per the constants that we've observed talking about how we measure distances to planets and everything uh that's a simple answer and the answer is c uh you you can do it uh with a laser actually uh you especially for the moon they do it with the laser so you can point a laser to the moon and uh since we've gone to the moon we have uh, something known as a reflector on it where we kept mirrors on the moon and basically moon reflects anything anyways so uh you know the speed of light and you know the time it took for the reflection to happen hence you know the distance and there are other ways of uh, uh telling uh, the distances from various planets but the speed of light is a most uh, widely used parameter because uh sun is 8 seconds away from the earth 
so many stars are light years away from earth so we all we measure it in the standard scale of light because light is traveling at a constant speed and then it's just about our imagination and how we want to use them to measure these distances so that should answer you oh yeah it it did so it's basically like you work on derivation observation and uh, you work on improvising or select like, getting the precise value of it yeah exactly and you start off with something that is as simple as distance is equal to speed into time that is like the easiest way where you can start off you know that speed of light is a constant so that you don't worry about then you only have the two variables distance and time if you want to know the distance you will need to know time if you want to know the time you will need to know the distance so it's uh, pretty uh, nice how we are able to do that and we've been able to do that since about you know like uh, about 400 years now although we didn't know that the speed of light was a constant back then uh, we had our doubts and we used to think that the speed of light is infinity but then uh, we had ways of observing the night sky in which things didn't require the speed of light those were different eras of observation where they just used the uh, galaxy or the stars behind us to set a picture of the whole scale of the universe to give a picture in the milky way our solar system takes about you know 20 uh, billion years to you know go once across or something so the stars that we see on our background are pretty much fixed and hence uh, due to their fixed nature we can tell which planets are moving from where to where and we can using the help of geometry we can tell how far they are so there have been different ways in which we've been doing things it's just that with more information we modernize our uh, technique into with more accuracy like how you do it in tennis also right like earlier you didn't have the uh, the speed reader that you have these days which is nothing but a reflection of uh, the ball on the laser that is cast by that equipment and hence you as and when you keep understanding certain things you keep developing your uh, usefulness of them and then you uh, grow as an eventuality and hence develop so that's the that's keeping in theme with our whole podcast that the more you know the better you can use your things and develop and evolve further okay that did answer the question all right i think uh, with that we have actually reached the end of the episode and the end of the second season of karandram archives uh thank you shantanu again uh, for uh, coming on our podcast it is actually our luck that you know we found you and you know you just came in thank you guys for having me and it was an absolute pleasure i didn't know how much of a good job i did in uh, conveying my points but i tried my best and thank you for being such patient listeners and peppering me with your uh, insightful questions and you know trying to ground me in my understanding as well because if you can't explain uh, things in a way that is understandable or accessible to everyone it means that you don't really understand it well yourself so that is something i like to follow and uh, i hope i've been able to get better at it with time 
and this experience certainly helps me with that absolutely by what you said i think you understood everything pretty well so guys uh, this is the end of season 2 thank you for your yeah, all your support all your uh, com- uh, reviews and everything and yeah we will definitely be coming back for season 3 maybe in a few months during which we will be working on a few more uh, projects which you would know through our instagram page and also uh, please do check out our youtube channel where we'll be posting some videos are you know patreon so where if you wish to make any donation you could make and you could get some uh, you know, merchandise in uh, exchange for all your donations and some uh, actually like extra bonus and uh, yeah we have a twitter page as well we would be posting some interesting topics and uh, we have a clubhouse channel uh, recently where we have already done one uh, room on the multiverses where shantanu was also uh, you know a speaker yeah please do check that out as well and where you can actually interact with us in person i think shantanu would also be joining us sometimes and yeah i think that is about it uh, so until season 3 keep asking questions keep searching for answers and as we always say keep the conundrum rolling